We're starting a new series today. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about it. It's called Ark, and uh, I'm, I'm pumped. We've got a boat up here. Uh, it's not as big of an art as an ark, obviously, but uh, it's going to do the job. Um, let's uh, kind of lay the groundwork for uh, this series. Uh, the series is going to be built around this, identifying and uh, influencing the trends and direction of our life. The trends and direction. Look at the person next to you and say, trends and direction. <laughs> trends and direction of our life. What, um, my father and I are best friends. And uh, what's so funny is that he, uh, every time he eats a cookie or eats cake, he calls me and says, I did it again! I did it again! I can't stop! I did it again! Every time he eats cake, every time he eats cobbler, anything, so I did it again. And I keep saying, I, first of all, I laugh. And then I said, Dad, it doesn't matter if you eat dessert, my gosh. The only thing that matters is, is what are your habits? What's the trend and direction of your life? If the trend and direction of your life is constantly healthy, well, my goodness, it's okay to tap the brakes every now and again. But if the trend and the direction of your life is, is you know, carrot cake, and you call that vegetables, <laughs> right? You, you eat pecan pie, and you're like, hey, I'm eating just nuts and peanuts, and then you're eating pecan pie. If that's the trend and direction of your life, well, my goodness, you, you know, there's going to be some issues, and so this whole series is just going to be built around that concept right there. What is the trend and direction of our life? And woven through that, we're going to talk about the trends and direction of our family and the trends and direction of our friends. So let's unpack this. Uh, Barney and Libby, it's always good to see you guys. Is this, is this your son and daughter right here? over here my goodness i want to meet you guys after service i told your dad to like threaten you guys to bring you all right so uh let's let's talk about this real quick genesis chapter six uh, let's start reading verse five when the lord saw the extent of human wickedness and that the trend and direction, this is the living Bible, if you enjoy it, now you know how, which, which version of the Bible it is, that trend and direction of men's lives were only towards evil. He was sorry he had made them. It broke his heart. Verse 11. Meanwhile, the crime rate was rising rapidly across the earth, and as seen by God, the world was rotten to the core. As God observed how bad it was and saw that all mankind was vicious and depraved, he said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all mankind. For the earth is filled with crime because of man. Yes, I will destroy mankind from the earth. Make a boat from resinous wood. Some of your Bible says gopher wood. Reads gopher wood. Sealing it with tar and construct decks and stalls throughout the ship make it 450 feet long 75 feet wide and 45 feet high before we start talking about trends and direction uh, let me just kind of take a sidebar and talk about the art just a little bit because if you're anything like me you back up and go what 
All of the animals going inside one boat? Are you kidding me right now? Has anyone ever thought about that? Uh, a few thoughts. Number one, um, this is just kind of mind-boggling. First of all, is it talks about, if you read the Bible, it talks about the species, not necessarily created kinds. Okay, so when you're just talking about species, uh, there's, uh, at that time, there's approximately 2,000 different species. All right, so now that, that makes it a little bit more manageable. And keep in mind, you don't have to put fish in the boat. Right? Here's another thought that's kind of wild. When you're putting a lion in the boat and you're putting a bear in the boat, you don't necessarily have to assume that that lion and bear is 10 years old. Why can't it be three months old? Just, just, just talking, just thinking out loud. I mean, if you had to fill up a boat full of animals, you know, it just seems logical that would pick the little ones. And so if you, if you reverse engineer into the ark, you say, okay, uh, the ark, was that why? That's a 100,000 square feet of floor space. And so we just read that there were stalls inside of the boat. And so you make these stalls, and I read this, that if the stalls in the boat were the size of a railroad box cart, you could fit 569 of them, which would give you room for 50,000 animals the size of sheep. So there's plenty of room in that boat. Plenty of room. So if people are getting in arguments and they want to go sleep somewhere else, there's plenty of room. Just hypothetical. Just hypothetical. There's plenty of room in that boat. So I want to talk about, whenever I talk about the boat... And I talk about the ark, uh, and I talk about you being in the boat, me being in the boat. I want us to wrap our minds around this thought. The boat is the trend and direction of our life. If the trend and direction of your life is running parallel with God, you are in the boat. If the trend and direction of your life is contrary to the Word of God, you are not in the boat. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about church attendance? Please try again. Are we talking about how eloquent we are when we talk about God? Please take a ticket and go to the end of the line. We are talking not about your words we're not talking about your church attendance, although it involves that. We are talking about the trend and direction of your life. So the question is, are you in the boat? Is the trend and direction of your life running parallel or opposite? So that's what we want to just kind of think about. If you're taking notes, the first point of three that we're going to discuss today is are you in the boat? What is the trend and direction? Now, um, if we can unpack this thought, are you in the boat? Let me ask you, what has your attention under arrest? What arrests your attention? What do you think about 
constantly throughout the day? What do you think about? What is on your mind all the time? Because what you think about is constantly framing your soul. What you think about frames your soul. And you and I are much like a sponge. We're a sponge because we soak up what we think about. We soak it up. And what I've learned is, is that if we're laser focused, our life is going to be consumed by God. If we're laser focused in that direction, we wake up in the morning, we're thinking about him, we're pursuing him while we're working, while we're in a meeting, while we're doing what we do. We are constantly, constantly entertaining him, talking to him in our hearts, in our minds. We're constantly pursuing him. That's what begins to influence us the most. In contrary, if work consumes you, if, if anything else consumes you, it pushes out being consumed for God. You cannot be consumed with two things at one time. You can't do it. You can't count to a hundred and say your ABCs at the same time. No, don't try it. You can't do it. You can only be consumed by one thing at a time. Only one thing can consume you. And it requires an immense amount of, here comes the word that nobody likes, discipline. It requires discipline to force yourself to be consumed by God. I read this story about these two guys that raced snow dogs. And these two guys were racing against each other and they had two completely different strategies. One guy, his reputation was a guy that was determined. And the race was anywhere between 7 and 10 days, depending on how fast you were. And this guy, his earmark, his reputation was that he was a hard worker. He was a determined hard worker. And so when the weather was good, he would ride those dogs hard. He's going to make up as much ground as he possibly could. When the weather was bad, uh, all of a sudden, he would just take the whole day off. He was determined to go hard. And then sometimes it, it was just, he was determined, but he wasn't disciplined. The other guy was disciplined. And you could make the case that both of them had a little bit of each other in them, but the earmark was disciplined. And what he, this guy decided to do is he's going to run the same amount of distance every single day, regardless whether it was sunny or whether the weather was bad, he's going to run the same amount of distance. And wouldn't you know, it was the one that was disciplined that went the furthest. If you're taking notes, write this down. All success is linked to discipline. All success. Doesn't matter what it is. If you want to be an underwater basket weaver, it is going to link back to being disciplined. People who are not disciplined are never successful in anything. What I've noticed when I look at people that are most successful, they're not the people that work 12-hour days. They're not. I see a lot of people that work long hours, and they're not any further along in life than they were five years ago when they were working long hours. They work hard, but not disciplined. 
Then they might say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm disciplined and working hard. Okay, whatever. <laughs> disciplined. I'm going to put the pedal to the metal from 8 a.m. to 5 o'clock. I'm going to put the pedal to the metal, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to be the world's best dad. That's, that's what I'm going to do. It's, it's, it's discipline. It takes an immense amount of trust to do that. But when we do that, we are entrusting the outcome of our life to a power that is greater than us. That's what we're doing. It requires that. Um, it, there's, a, there's a certain uh, culture that is involved in being in the boat. There's a certain culture. Uh, it, there's a, a, a way of doing things and being in the boat. You can say, I trust God, but when we watch your life, we're going... <laughs> now, let me see if I can illustrate this. Starbucks has a culture. Um, uh, in Starbucks, uh, this cup is, is not a small, it's a... I didn't hear you. This Starbucks cup is not a small, it's a... This, this Starbucks cup is not a medium, it's a... Some of you are showing off, grande. This, this Starbucks cup is not a large, it's a... Vente. It's, it, there's, a, there's a culture there. Have you ever gone to Starbucks and asked for a small? They won't let you get away with it. They'll say back to you, okay, one tall coming up. Try it. Does anyone here work at Starbucks? You wouldn't raise your hand if I paid you. I'm a lying church. My hand ain't going up. Ask it. Say, give me a medium. They'll say, okay, one grande coming up. If you want to go to if you want to go to Starbucks, you have to talk like them. You have no choice. You have, there's a culture there. Do you know that in the boat there is a culture? There's a culture in this boat. Now, we can say that we're in the boat, but our culture and the way people watch us and the people who know you best can determine whether or not you're really in the boat. Ask your wife, ask your husband, ask your mom, ask your dad, ask your pappy, ask your mammy, ask your son, ask your daughter. Don't ask me. I don't know you. Right? So in the boat, there's a certain culture. Number one, we watch our eyes. See, outside of the boat and some smoking girl comes walking by, you can go, <laughs> but in the boat, Job 31.1 says, I will make a covenant with my eyes not to look at any young woman. It's in the boat. Do, do you know that the trend of direction, now if all of a sudden some girl walks by and you're like, it's like that wrestling match. The trend in direction is not to look. Right? That's the trend in direction. So you, you kind of... Here's another example. The, the trend in direction, the culture of the boat is, is not to rip on people. Like, your mom is so da 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 da, -da. That's, that's not the trend in direction. That's not the culture of the boat. Inside the boat, 
It says, do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth except what gives grace to the hearer. I've heard people that I look up to. I look up to them. And I've heard them insult somebody and all of a sudden I stop looking up to them because I'm, I say to myself, there's no way that you're praying as much as I think you're praying. And I hate to say this, but I'm thinking about a pastor right now. There's no way you're praying as much as I think you're praying because if you are praying as much as I think you're praying and you're leading me to believe you're praying, you would have never insulted that person like that. Because when you're in the boat this long, and you're constantly in the boat, the trend and direction, now you might slip up. Some guy cuts you off, or he's, in the, he's driving like he should be in the slow lane, but he's in the fast lane. And then you pass him, and, and you can't just pass him, you got to look at him. You know, that's, that's, okay, God, I'm sorry about that. But the trend in direction, we don't look at every single person we pass and wave at them with one finger. We don't, that's not the trend and direction of our life. There's a certain culture inside the boat. Here's the question, are you in the boat? Yeah. Now, let me see if I can illustrate this a little bit further. Uh, I need someone to come get in this boat, and it's a little bit topsy-turvy, so um, um, let's see here. Isaiah, <laughs> come on up here. Uh, come on, JJ, come on up here and get in this boat. <laughs> um, now watch this. Let's say you're in the boat and you're a part of our family. You're a part of this church family. You're in the boat and, and you have an oar in your hand and you're pulling an oar in the boat. Now, you can be in the boat And not be pulling an oar. You can be in the boat, but not be pulling an oar. What, what I mean by that is, is that this guy is pulling an oar. This guy's pulling an oar. This guy, they're making celebration move. I'm enjoying the ride. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you know last Sunday we had 95 people working in the children's department? Don't stand. Do you know we have 45 ushers? Look back there and look at three of them, four of them. We've got like 37 greeters. Uh, I don't know how many people are in the hospitality. They, they got an oar. They are a part of the deal. Now, some of you, you can't come 10 minutes early, which is all you got to do to be a part of those ministries. But you, when you come here, you say, look, my oar is you can count on me writing a tithe check and being a part of the offering. That's my oar. Here's my question. If you did not come to church today, and you don't come to church all next month. Here, get out, JJ. <laughs> Do we notice a difference at all? Is there any ore that's not being pulled because you're not here? 
Or do you not pull an oar? And so we really don't notice the difference except for when the ushers do a head count. Now here's the thing. If you're new here, we don't want you pulling an oar. We want you to come in. We want you to rest. We want you to feel us. We want, we want to give to you. We want to serve you. Uh, we don't know. You, may have, you might be in the middle of a tough season right now. But once you've been a part of our family for a little while, you need to find an oar and pull. Because here's the thing. People are coming in here and they're not able to pull an oar because they're hurting. And we got to pull that oar together. Um, thank you guys so much. Uh, Isaiah, if you can get out. Here, here hold, hold that. Uh, now you're showing off. Okay. Now here's the next question. Are you in the boat? The, th the next question is this. Is your family in the boat? Are your kids in the boat? I don't know if your kids are 50 years old. They might be 5 years old. They might be 17 years old. Of those three, the most challenging is 17 because they know everything. I used to be a youth pastor for 10 years. I'd be looking at these teenagers and I'm like, you guys ought to be the president, man. You guys know everything. Uh, I, I think I said this last, uh, last Sunday or last uh, Wednesday, but this kid had an opportunity to talk to, uh, forgive me if you've heard it already, because I just said it, I just can't remember if it was Wednesday night or Sunday, but this kid had an opportunity to talk to Ronald Reagan, and he said, Ronald, President Reagan, what makes you think you can connect to our culture? We have TVs, we, 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 we've got, you know, technology. And, and when you were a kid, you didn't even have TVs. What makes you think you can connect to us? And, and President Reagan said, um, it was our generation that made those TVs. <laughs> okay, I got it. But the, the, it's the, the, the young people, they know everything. But I don't want to slam uh, young people. What I want to say is, who are your kids? Teenagers? Toddlers, adults, here's the reality. We have got to make sure to ask ourselves the question, is our family in the boat? Noah, when he tried to get people to get in the boat, nobody would get into the boat. He preached, get in the boat, get in the boat. There's rain coming, get in the boat, get in the boat. The Bible says that the flood took them by surprise. In other words, it went through one ear and out the other. Get in the boat, 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 get in the boat. They ignored him. Nobody believed him. And that hurt him. But what was a non-negotiable for him is his kids are going to get their rear end in that boat. I don't believe it. I don't care if you don't believe it. Get in the boat. Get, get your big head in that boat. Because here's the reality. If you say you believe what you say you believe, if you really believe what you say you believe, you're going to get your family in the boat. Yes. Now watch this. Let me see if I can illustrate this with, a, with a, a thought about family. Family is not an important thing. It is everything. It's not an important thing. It's everything. Now, I want to share with you something that was so incredibly perplexing. This blew me away. So I'm talking to my friends who are pastors of churches all last week, and we've all got the same story. The place was packed last Sunday for Easter. We were, oh my goodness. So 
I'm reading the newspaper. I'm reading articles online. It seems like every single church in the whole country was packed for Easter last Sunday. It was nuts. It was crazy. I kept saying to my wife, where did these people come from? Like, seriously, where did they come from? They just fell right out of the sky. How did all these people come? Where, were the, where did the people come from? I kept saying that over and over again. Where did the people come from? I was praying and I was telling God, where did the people come from? Where, I was really saying it. Where did the people come from? And finally, it hit me like an arrow. I got it. And when you get it, it's like there's this term I learned in college. I only learned two of them. But one of them, <laughs> one of them was called hindsight biased, which means when you hear something that you didn't know that's really simple, you assume that you knew it because it's so simple. And so it's like this arrow went, boom, and I went, shut up. <laughs> I came out of the prayer time juiced up. I told Allie, I can't, on the way here, I'm calling up pastor's friends. I said, I figured out where they came from. I figured out where they, I know where they came from. So I came in, I see Sarah, she's the director of, I said, I know where they came from. I know where they came from. I know where they came from. And so I said, go get our visitor cards and pull them out and let's see if I'm right. And so they pull the visitor cards and show enough, I was right. The people who came, 50%, which was several hundred, several hundred people, 50% of the people who came that were first-time guests to Celebration Church were y'alls, that's good southern terminology, <laughs> bad English, good theology. It was y'alls family. So do you know what happened the week of Easter? Mama Bear, or Papa Bear, got on the horn and said, Jeffrey, you're going to church. You are going to church. What happened, as I say, it was Mama Bear, because Mama Bear gets real when it comes time for Easter. Mother's Day and Easter, they're like, you coming to church. So sometimes it's Papa Bear, but this is exactly what happened, is that Mama Bear and Papa Bear said this, look, hey, Charles, you're coming to church. Now they dragged their husband. He doesn't normally come to church, but I don't care about no golf. I don't care. It's double negative, but good theology. And then the husband's like just grabbing his sister, like, you coming to church? I don't go to church. Oh, you coming to church today? This is what happened during Easter. People were literally grabbing their kids who don't normally come to church, but it's Easter. It's Easter. So they drive and they say, y'all get in the boat. And then they come to me in the lobby. So many of y'all did this. I'm in the lobby. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? And this one, hey, I want to introduce you to my brother. I want to introduce you to my son. I want to introduce you to my mom. And I'm like, hey, hey. But it didn't connect. I didn't figure it out. I was just like, it was right in front of me, but I couldn't figure it out. I go home, I'm like, God, where did all the people come from? Where did all the people come from? And then it dawns on me, I know where the people came from. Everybody brought their family. Raise your hand if you brought your family last week. Bada bing, bada, put it in the air real high. Come on, real high, wave around so people don't think I'm crazy. Wave it around. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Some of y'all brought four, five, three, two, seven people in your family. You brought them to church. You brought your family to church on Easter. Now give the person next to you a high five for that. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Better believe this is what happened. Here's my question. Are they in the boat? What is the trend and direction of their life? I have kids. I have a mom. I have a dad. I've got a father-in-law, a brother-in-law. Here's the deal, folks. It is a non-negotiable for our family to not be going in the trend and direction of Jesus Christ. If you really believe what you say you believe, they are going to burn in hell if they don't straighten things out. So are we playing patty cake with each other? Do we not really believe this? Do we really believe this? Because whoever is not in the boat... When God sends his son Jesus, and the Bible says it's in a twinkling of an eye, if the trend and direction of your son and your daughter, your wife, fill in the blank, is not running parallel with the Lord, you are going to spend eternity without them. It is a non-negotiable. The family has... Noah grabbed his son by his ear and dragged it and said, go get your wife. You are going to get... I don't care if Jamal, Eddie, and Eric are not in the boat. You are getting in the boat. Get your rear end in the boat. Now you say, this is easier said than done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got... Family, hard-headed. So hard to get them in the boat. This is how we get them in the boat. Thought about it. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> you make a deal. You say, look, Easter, Sunday, having you in the church, made church so much better for me. Will you please come three times a month? You don't have to come four, come three. They're probably going to go, if they're anything, if they're, okay, give me two. Give me, okay, give me one. One time a month. Twelve times a year. You already went once. Now we're down to 11. <laughs> if they live in your house, the deal just got really easy. Because they're going to want to know what's in it for them. You can keep living here. You can keep living here. So they, if they say, well, I'm going to come, but I'm just going to sit there. That's cool. Come sit there and be mad. But you're going to be in the boat. You're going to be in the boat. You can be mad in the boat. You can do whatever you want, but be mad. You're going to be in the boat. When we wake up, our kids and say, I don't want to go to school. I don't care if you don't want to go. This isn't a boat. You get your rear end in school. I don't want to. I'm going to be mad the whole time. Well, be mad and be in school. Are you with me? The family has got to be in the boat. That is a non-negotiable. Let me see if I can unpack one more thought for you. Are your friends in the boat? Why I say this is because so many of us 
we don't have family in this area. That's why not everybody raised their hand. My wife and I don't have family in this area. Many of you do not have family in this area. And so when we brought people to church last Sunday, it wasn't our family. We don't have family. It was our friends. Raise your hand if you brought friends to church last Sunday to Easter. Go ahead, wave your hand at me. Here's the thing. Friends, if you're taking notes, write this down. Friends are the siblings that we met later in life. Are you with me on that? There's some friends that are closer than family. It's, it's you ladies, that's like your long lost sister. Us guys, you know, and can go a long lost nothing. I'm just saying. <laughs> Leave it at that. But it's the siblings that we met later in life. Our friends got to get in the boat. Now watch this. Fishing for people, trying to get them to come to church, is a lot like fishing for bass. All right? Now, how many of you fish? Raise your hand. All right. Now, you're going to figure out in about a New York second that I'm not a very experienced fisher as soon as I start talking. So I'm just going to tell you right now, I already know that. Okay. So here we go. This is what I do know about fishing. You cast out the line. A fish grabs it. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that. And it's like, oh, shoot. Right? Oh. Now strategy comes into play. Because you can't just go, ah, you can't do that. You can't do that. Oh, you got to figure it out. There's like a little bit of play involved. Because you got to, those of you that fish, you know, you got to set the hook. And what that means, get that hook nice and deep in their mouth. And so you got to set it. And the way you set it is you pull up on it. And it gets in there. But if you go crazy and set it too hard, you're going to pull it right out of their mouth. And so you got to play with it, right? They bite it, you set it, you kind of let it go, you let them run around a little bit, you let them swim around, and, and I like to talk to them when that's happening. Oh, you think you're free, don't you? You think you're, you ain't free, you ain't free. You see that? That's me right there. Oh, you ain't free. That's me. I got you. You coming in the boat. I like to tell you. Does anyone here talk to the fish? You're like, I got you, Holmes. You're dead. I'm going to cook you tonight. And so... <laughs> You, you got to play with it, right? You kind of let it go. You pull it in. You got to let it go. Pull it in. Pull it in. Play with it. And, and, and when you invite friends, sometimes you got to do that because you don't want to look crazy. Right? You can't, like, text them every night. Hey, you coming to church? And they're like, dude, you're crazy. So there's a little bit of play, right? You don't have to do that with family because they already know how crazy you are. You can text them every single Saturday night and say, are you coming tomorrow? Are you coming tomorrow? And, and let them on your funeral, if they outlive you, let them say, they texted me every single Saturday night. Does anyone in this room have somebody in their life that the only reason why you followed God is because that, that one person never left you alone? I got somebody in my life, they would not leave me alone, called me every single day. We got to get our family in the boat. I want to give you a few more thoughts to think about as far as strategy is concerned. 
It is so important that we pray constantly if you want to put somebody in that boat. Why is that? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, and he's speaking of Satan. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. When people say, I don't want to get in the boat, I don't want to come to church, I don't like the culture of the church. You know what? It has nothing to do with the culture. It has nothing to do with the preacher. It has nothing to do with any of those things. According to the Bible, there is, listen to this, a spirit that is at work within them. Now, they'll never admit this. Who wants to admit that? Devil's messing with me and I'm buying it. Nobody says that. Devil's lying to me and I believe every word. Nobody says that. But I want you to know, when somebody doesn't want to get in the boat and to begin to prioritize God, there's an enemy at work. A lot of times, it's a self-righteous enemy. Like when I said earlier that it's a disciplined person that backs up and lets the success of their life be ruled by a person more powerful than them. The person that says, well, you just don't understand. I go, okay. That's a self-righteous spirit, and I can't argue with you. At the end of the day, you're either trusting in you or you're trusting in God, and the number of hours that you work is telling me what you believe in. Watch this. David, King David, he was a man after God's own heart. And he said this prayer. It's very interesting. This is a Christian. He said this prayer in Psalms 119, verse 18. It says this, Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. You know what he's saying? I do believe in you, God. But I'm having a really hard time because I can't see what you're doing. Even David knew that the enemy was at work. We have got to pray. Got to pray. Pray for ourselves. Because if we're not careful, we'll think we're on the boat, but we're not. Have you ever seen the guys in the circus stand on one horse and stand on the other and ride them both at the same time? Have you ever seen that? Which is crazy. A lot of people think that they can believe in God and do their own thing at the same time. You can't. Because those horses aren't running in parallel. They're running in the opposite direction. And it's part of the deception of the enemy to allow you to be what is called a moralist. A moralist says, I'm a good guy. Being a good guy does not mean that you have adopted the culture and the direction of Jesus Christ. I can walk into Starbucks and say, I'd like a medium. And they say, I'll get you a grande. And I go, I'm a good guy. And? It's called a grande. I don't care how good you are. It's a grande. 
but I'm nice. I'm a lot nicer than that guy. It's a grande, sir. Don't be a moralist. Here's the last thought. I'd like for someone to come on up here and, and play, please. Here's the last thought. Jesus had a prayer request. He looked at all the disciples and he said, I want you to pray with me. This is the son of God asking for a prayer request. He says, I want you to pray with me. He says this, because the harvest, the number of people that are not in the boat, it is huge. He goes, pray for me that workers will come. Because nobody wants to put any effort on getting people in the boat. Pray for me. Pray with me that workers will come. It's interesting that they call it workers because it takes some work. It takes some work to get your family in the boat. It takes some work to get your friends that are like family in the boat. It takes some work to make sure that you are in the boat pulling an oar. It takes some work. And most of the work is warfare with the enemy, trying to keep you and I distracted with these petty things that are temporal. 